Welcome to the Salt Company kickoff. You just met JP and Bree. I'm Derek. Uh, good to meet you. This is our third fall on campus, which means the first one was 2020, which means it's really our second fall on campus. Um, glad you're here. A lot of new faces. I want to meet you before you leave uh, or at a future week at Salt Company. We do this every week. So uh, just a little bit. Salt Company is the college ministry at Embassy Church. Show hands here at Embassy this past Sunday. Wow. Okay, that was more than I expected. Uh, Embassy's a church that loves college students. We started the same time as Salt Company did, a church that's multi-generational but loves the next generation, which is this field and this campus. Uh, lead pastor that's back there, Critter Cook. Hey, Critter, wave your hand, bro. Everyone say, yo, what up, Critter? <laughs> he, uh, he goes by Critter, but his name's Chris, but don't ever call him that. And uh, don't ask how he got Critter. Uh, but yeah, my name's Derek. I, I, I moved here three years ago, like I said. I'm from Iowa. Um, you've probably never been there. You maybe have driven through there. And this place is better. So uh, before we jump into the Bible tonight, because that's what we like to do at Salt Company, we do it every week, um, we're going to look at John 4, which is the story of the woman at the well. It's pretty familiar if you've been in church growing up. Um, but before we get there, anybody had like a bad splinter before? You know, like a piece of wood in your flesh that shouldn't be there? You had like a deep one? Anybody had like a real deep one? Yeah, I've had a deeper one for sure. Um, so I ran track at Iowa State, 400 hurdles, but I started my pole vaulting career after college. And this was after I'd already put on 35 pounds in about six weeks from my last race to six weeks. <laughs> I'd put on 35 pounds. I'm still carrying most of those proudly. Um, but my pole vault career started one day after lunch. I was working on staff at a, a church in Iowa my first year. And we never did this before, and we never did it again. Um, but we went outside after lunch, and there's like the, a few trees and like a creek out back. And one of our worship leaders was like this redheaded dude, way crazier than Eric, not as good of a you know worship leader as him. But he was just jumping across this creek, and it was pretty wide. Like he would just get to the other side, and his legs would kind of crumple into his body. And so we're like, well, there's a better way. And we, we grabbed a stick, and I'm the first one to go. And it, it's just this really, really long stick. It's like a tree limb. And I'm like, I can, I can get this. Confidence is key. Get to the top. Didn't, didn't account for that extra weight I was carrying. I feel like my hand just go like straight into the piece of wood. And at the top of my thing, I just fall on my back, land in the water. And everyone proceeds to still go after me. And I'm like, man, like I'm fine. That kind of hurt, but I'm fine. And so I have this like idea that maybe there's a splinter in my hand, but I'm, I just have to wait for it to start bleeding down my shorts and leg for me to even look at it, right? And I'm like, ooh, that looks pretty bad. Uh, but I'm fine. I'm fine. And so I think I could just shake it off. But then it, I'm like, this is really starting to hurt. And we go back inside. And one of the most aggressive females I've ever met in my life named Courtney for years is like, yo, let me get the splinters out of you. I'm like, I don't really want you to, though. But I do think there's splinters in there. So somebody's got to do it. OK, fine. You're persistent. She, she gets some tweezers out of her makeup bag because she probably carries that everywhere, too. She's kind of bougie, Courtney for years. Bougie and aggressive. You know her. Um, she starts digging into my hand with these tweezers. And I'm like, man, if, if it's not going to go away on its own, hopefully Courtney can handle this. And she's like, Derek, I don't know. You gotta, I think you got to go somewhere. I'm like, no, Courtney. Just get them. But one more time. Go. She can't get them out. So she's like, I think you should go to the hospital. I'm like, no. I'm not going to the freaking hospital over some splinters. you got to be kidding me. That's like so weak. So I'm like, but I do got to get them out. So I go to this clinic, right? One of those, you know, clinics that you should probably just skip and go to the hospital. I went to one of those. And uh, this guy, oh my goodness, how bad I wished it was 
Courtney back digging into my hand than this guy. Shaky hands. He's trying to like numb me and it's like with a needle, but he's just like, it's seriously like the worst experience. Like one of the top five least favorite minutes of my life. One of the top five least favorite five minutes of my life. That's what I meant to say, but he's like poking me. It's not numb at all. And he's digging, digging, digging. He's taking out like, like if I were to trim my beard right now, but not all the way, like you'd see just like a little speck. Like that's what he was pulling out of my hand. And he thinks he's doing a great job. And he's like, all right, well, I think I got it. Let's stitch you up and get you out of here. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. But two days later, three days later, four days later, my hand is just like swollen. And it's these two fingers are real puffy. And there's like a hard thing under here. And every time I close my fist, pus just squirts out of my stitches. I'm like, dude, this guy sucked. Quack doctor. I got to go to the hospital. The thing I didn't want to do, I got to do it now. And I'm just going to go in with humility and shame. Be like, here, I'm here. Yes, I tried to fix it. Yes, it didn't work. Fix me. And so this beautiful looking doctor, he's like, all right, but I'm going to have to cut you open again. He takes a scalpel, does it right, you know, gets way in my hand, pulls out a splinter. Like, seriously, I could not believe it was in my hand. But I was thankful. And then it felt, it was like immediate relief. Like, oh my gosh, that is so much better. Now stitch me up. Now I'm good. Why did I tell that long story at the beginning of this sermon? Sometimes the problem's deeper than you think. That's it. That's all. That's the only point I'm trying to make with that story. Sometimes the problem is deeper than you think it is. And the, the, the case of the woman at the well, that's exactly what's going on. It's just a woman from Samaria that shows up to this well, meets Jesus, realizes she got more problems than she thinks she has, and then her life's changed in the moment. So if you got a Bible, which you don't because you're on a field, and so I don't expect you to, so I'll try to summarize and read at the same time, and hopefully you follow along. Jesus is going to meet this woman at the well, and I didn't grow up going to church and was kind of a bad kid, so I was kind of like scared of Jesus, but I knew him as a historical figure, you know, heard of him before. Maybe that's you, maybe that's not, but, but the question tonight is, what if this Jesus person that most of us are familiar with came not just to, to meet me in my big problems and then shame me for him, condemn me for him, but take care of those problems on my behalf and satisfy me in the same time? Can he really do that? I think he can. Intro, a woman pulls up to a well with her bucket to get some water. John 4, which I'm not at anymore because there's wind. John 4, uh, uh, Jesus is traveling with his disciples, and then he sits down at a well, and a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. They were hungry. So Jesus says, can I have a drink? She says, how is it that you, a Jew, asked for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans, the text says. And Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So a woman pulls up to a well with a bucket, you know, it's probably more like a jar, but I'm just going to go with bucket because that's more, we don't really carry jars for water these days, nor, nor do we carry buckets for water, but you, you see what I'm going. Woman comes with, with her bucket, Jesus is, is there waiting for her, and here's what Jesus is going to do. He's going to say, hey, give me a drink, and then actually let me give you a drink, right? If you knew who I am, if you knew, I love that part, if you knew, you'd ask me and I'd give you living water, and so... She says, sir, you don't even have a bucket. And the well is deep. The, the well's still there. It's 100 feet deep today. They think it was, it was probably deeper back then. So she's like, Jesus, you don't even have a bucket. How are you going to give me water? Where do you get this living water? The text says, you aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you, who, who dug this well and drank it from, from himself and his sons and livestock drank from it. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water 
will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I give him will become like a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so I won't have to get thirsty and come here to draw any more water. What's going on? She, she wants to not be thirsty anymore. At first, she just sees Jesus as this Jew and a man that should have no business talking to her, a woman from Samaria. She says, sure, that sounds like a good deal. Stitch me up. I don't want to be thirsty and have to come to this well anymore. It's noon. She's likely coming to draw water in the middle of the heat of the day because of her past, which we're going to learn a bit about in just a second. No one goes to draw water at noon. That's the hottest time of the day. Sure, that's when you want water the most, but you go in the morning to get it for throughout the day or you go the night before to fill up for morning. She's there at noon because she's, she's isolated. She's, she's lonely. She's got some, some issues, and this is where Jesus is going to go next. She says, sure, give me that water. You got a deal. And he says, go call your husband and come back here. Weird twist, Jesus. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, I know you don't. For you've had five husbands, and the, the man you have now is not your husband. And so what you've said is, is true. And the woman said, okay, I, I see that you're a prophet. So he's, he's, he's elevated a bit from Jew to prophet. She's like, that's true. How did you know that? She, she had a bit of a boy problem, right? You could say at the least. I don't know how old she is, but five, she's on number six. I get it. I've had girl problems. We all have our problems. But, but what's, going, what's going wrong in this lady's life, right? Like, what, why is Jesus switching from water to husbands? That doesn't make any sense. He's trying to get deeper, right? He's trying to say, I know you're thirsty, but what about your actual needs? Not just your physical needs, your spiritual needs. For this many marriages to go wrong, I think something, something's going on here, right? Either they rejected her, which is an ouch, right? She's going to them with, with her, her spiritual bucket and saying, hey, know me, hey, satisfy me, hey, fill me. And they're saying, no. We don't, I, I actually got to know you a little too much, and now, eh, not for me. I'm out. Ow. Or she's going with the same buckets, and they're not cutting it for her. So she's saying, bye-bye. I'll really start, start blank. All right, this is how all relationships end. One person's not satisfied by the other person, so it's over. I'm sorry if you've been on the receiving end of that. I have. This is one of, if not the primary thing going on in, in, in her soul is this, this empty, emptiness from relationships that she can't seem to figure out, right? She's on number six. Jesus wants to go there. And no matter what your, your, your deeper problem is, really those are the only two options when you're, you're seeking something to fulfill your soul that was never intended to, to fill that bucket, right? Either I can't do enough to please that thing or that thing never does enough to please me. And so I always go, I always have to go back or I always have to find something new and better. Those are the only two options. And Jesus knows this. And so he knows that this woman, if she never finds a better alternative, will just stay thirsty, right? And this is, this is a link to one of my favorite texts in the Old Testament from Jeremiah 2, which just gets to the essence of this thing Christians talk about as sin, like so, so clearly and so 
uh, pertinently. And in, in Jeremiah 2, God says, my people have committed a double evil. They've turned their back on me, the fountain of living water, and they've dug cisterns for themselves, buckets, cracked buckets that can't hold any water, right? So he's saying the double evil is God is like this fountain of living water, and in the essence of the human problem is we've, we've turned our back on him and we've gone after so many other countless things to try and fill our buckets that actually have holes in them anyway. And so she's done this and, and she's doing this. And so Jesus makes a bold claim. Let me keep reading. So the woman says, I, I see that you're a prophet, but Jesus says, yeah, and I know Samaritans, they worship at this temple and, and Jews worship at this temple, but I tell you an hour is coming is now here when, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He says, the time is now, and the woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus drops a bomb on her, he tells her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. I, the one speaking to you, am that Messiah you're, you're waiting for. You're correct. I'm him. Bold. I'll never forget my, uh, my freshman year of college. I got like one of the best compliments I've ever gotten in my life. And I don't even remember why I got the compliment, but I remember exactly where I was on the sidewalk. I was walking with a dude named Danny Woiwer. Danny was an incredible wrestler from Apple Valley, Minnesota. He was on the team at Iowa State. And he was just cool. He was really cool. He was really outgoing. I want to be Danny's friend. And so freshman year, you know, we're doing that feel out thing that some of y'all are doing uh, to try and find your friends. And we're walking home from like something stupid. And I don't know what happened or what I said, but he just goes, bro, you are that dude. I was like, what does that mean? I didn't say that, but in my head, I'm like, dude, thanks. I'm that dude. Like, I just, it's, it's a decade later, I'm still thinking about that compliment, and I have no idea what it means. But what I do know is sophomore year, I realized fast I was not that dude. I thought my whole life I was that dude. Danny should not have told me that. It was just a fluff to the Derrick Jones ego that did not need to be as big as it was. And so I realized sophomore year, in, in one of my lowest moments, Jesus was actually that dude. Whatever that dude is, it ain't me. It ain't you. It's Jesus, and that's the claim he's making to this woman at the well. See, if, if Jesus never shocked you with, with his claims before, he never really surprised you by the, just the magnitude of his power, his genius, his, his heart, his love, you probably don't, don't know who he is. That's why at Salcombe we're going to spend the next six or seven weeks packing these, unpacking these I am statements in John's gospel, his biography of the living Jesus that walked and died and was resurrected. And Jesus makes these I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection, the way, the truth, the life, and the vine. And so I want to just spend the first part of this year looking at Jesus. Is he really that dude? Can I really trust him with my life? And because I think that we can, I'm excited to, to go there. And so the claim Jesus is making, don't be confused, is the reason I'm able to give you living water is because I am that dude. I know your thirst. I know your guilt. I know your shame. I know just how thirsty you are, and I alone can give you satisfaction. I can quench it. And so the resolution in the text, real quick, Jesus' disciples show up, and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman, yet no one said, what do you want, or why are you talking with her, right? They just knew something just happened, right? So they're just like, they don't say anything, like classic disciples. Then it says, the, then the woman left her, her bucket, her water jar, and went into town and told the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? 
So he's moved from Jew to prophet to, I don't know, could this be? And she tells the whole town. And the town comes to see Jesus and it says, many more believe because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we've heard for ourselves and know this really is the savior of the world. He just moved up again. Could it be? So for sure he is. She drops her bucket. She runs and tells everyone. She, she comes in Little Miss isolated and she leaves Little Miss popular. She comes to Jesus ashamed. She leaves feeling free. She's a bucket carrier to now, he fulfilled his promise. She's now a well of living water. She's just telling other people they're getting a taste. They come see Jesus, they, they believe. One conversation changes everything for this woman. That's what college, college is full of conversations that can change everything, right? You sit down with your advisor, boom, trajectory, life, planned forever. That's a crazy conversation. Who does that? Your roommate's like, bro, have you tried Z and C teriyaki? It'll change your life. And then it does. You tap the girl on the shoulder, the guy on the shoulder. I, had, I was at church one morning. I said, hey, are you Sydney Beach? It was a terrible conversation. She's like, yeah. It's like, cool. I, I knew that was your name because I know who your mom is. She's like, oh, cool. Well, see you later. And I was like, see you, for sure, see you later. That's my wife. Changed everything. <laughs> Sydney, where you at? Right there, say, yo, what up, Sydney? One interaction with Jesus. What's this interaction with Jesus in the text 2,000 years ago supposed to matter to us on this field? What can we take from a woman at Samaria who, if we're honest, we don't go to the well to draw water every day like she does. She's a loser. We're good. Water comes out our fridge, the faucet. Maybe you don't have a fridge. You're in college. I'm an idiot. It comes out of my fridge. Actually, not really. I have an old fridge that doesn't even have a thing. <laughs> what, what are we supposed to learn from this? I think there's some applications from, from just this interaction with, with the woman. And, and the first one, I think, if she was here tonight on this stage instead of me, I think the first thing you say is stop ignoring your thirst. Stop kidding yourself that you ain't thirsty when you are. You are thirsty. The sooner you admit you're a human being with desires and needs, the closer you are to getting them met. No, I'm not thirsty or needy, bro. Get out of here. Get off stage. Oh, please. Skip two meals in a row or stub your toe and come tell me how invincible you are then. Right? Splinters? Nah. To act like you have it all figured out or the center of the universe is just to stay shallow with your problems. This was me the first 20 years of my life. Bucket carrier. Classic. Classic bucket carrier. And the only two options of, of being in that place are you either end up exhausted because you're going back to the same well to get the same little hit to keep you going, or you're looking for new wells, and that's exhausting too. Like, oh, this track wasn't going so well, so let's try this one. Make myself feel good. Decide what I should go after. Or you get sick of doing that. Maybe some of you are in this place even tonight. I'm like, ah, I did that. Man, I'm sick of that game. I'm tired. So I think I'll just, I'm, I'm content with empty buckets. And you just end up dehydrated, right? I've been in that place too. And frankly, a lot of people got to get pretty close to that place in order to come to Jesus. Like I got to be so sick of it and so dehydrated that I'm finally in touch with my thirst enough to see him for who he is. The first thing we need to do is quit ignoring the problem and just trying to get enough water to get by. We need to let the God of the universe this Jesus cut out the stitches and just go a little bit deeper. 
right? So I think the second thing that the woman, if she was here, would say is stop ignoring your thirst and, and just start questioning those wells that you're going to. Those things that you're, you're doing to, to get that bucket filled. How's it going? For me, athletics, grades, money, approval from the opposite sex, approval from the same sex, parents' approval, right? Like at some time or other, a lot of those things are going good or they're going not good. And like that's, that's like how my life's going. Those are shallow things to put your whole life into, I think Jesus would say. What wells are you going to? What if those wells are the very things I'm running to that are keeping me from the God that wants to satisfy me, right? But what if Jesus came not to condemn you but to quench your thirst? What if Jesus wanted to extend to you the sort of radical grace and forgiveness that can actually change your life just like this, this lady in the text? If you knew, right? If you knew, he says, you'd be asking me for a drink and I'd give it to you and you'd leave your change, but she didn't know. And so my, my fears that a lot of you on this, on this field tonight, let alone on this campus, don't know. If you only knew. Because once you know, it changes everything. My sophomore year and on, it's like, if I only knew this sooner, right? It's actually good news. I actually didn't need to be afraid of the church growing up, you know? All those things I mentioned, they're, they're good gifts, but they're terrible things to build your entire life on. Maybe, the, maybe a primary well you like to visit is the well of religion, Right? like the well of tricking yourself into thinking you're not that bad. You haven't done a lot of crazy stuff, but the thing that separates you is that idea that you don't need him, that you're not thirsty, that you've already been satisfied by this stupid well of doing enough good things. What's your well? Have you been there all week, all your life? Were you on, that way, on your way to that well when you stumbled into the cell company kickoff? Look, if Jesus met you at that well, would you even give him the time of day? Would you hear him out? Because the reality is he knows everything you've ever done. Yikes. Every thought you've ever had. Yikes. But I think if that woman were here, she'd say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He loves you anyway. And so I think the last thing she'd say is drop your freaking buckets and go tell everyone. You can come to him at literally any moment. In fact, he's already come to you. You notice he's at her well. He's at the well. He doesn't say, hey, come clean yourself up, and then you can follow me. He goes where she's at. He's already come to you. He doesn't make you come to him. He's waiting at your well, whatever it is. And the things that drive you away from him, he's already conquered those things. And so by faith, drop your buckets. Stop trying to quench your own thirst. Verse 28, she, she, she drops her well. She goes back to the town. She says, tell she tells everyone, I think she, she would hear you say, drop your bucket, go back to your dorm, and bring your entire floor next week. Because they have to know. But how do we know Jesus is legit? Right? At some point, I think, like the doctor that took the, the splinter out of my hand, we need, we need someone to look us in the face and accurately diagnose our problem and fix it for us. And Jesus is that dude for every single one of us. Because in order for him to actually take care of the problems in our hearts, there had to be a, this thing called a cross. She was that dude for the woman at the well, the students in this field, and the guy on this stage. And on the cross, Jesus emptied himself 
so that you and I could be filled up. On the cross, he drank the cup of the Father's wrath so that you and I could have a little taste of living water that would change our lives. Why would he do that? I'm still understanding the depths of that question. But for the Samaritan woman, it's clear Jesus was the first man to ever fully know her and fully love her, and that, that, that was enough for her. So your options before you leave tonight and after you get some mother bears is to forget Jesus, turn your back on the cross, and carry your buckets until you can't anymore. Or forget your buckets, turn your back on those under-delivering, over-promising wells, and come to Jesus who actually can quench your thirst for once and for all. Because the reality is, because of sin, every single one of us was born thirsty. But because of Jesus, you don't, you don't have to be anymore. Salt Company is full. All these people with blue shirts and all the others that have been here before, Salt Company is full of just a bunch of thirsty people that have found Jesus and been satisfied by him. Whether you, you've lived a lifetime of praying and reading your Bible and you got baptized, you never missed church, or you've been building your life on whatever you decide you wanted, like the Derek Jones of the world, tonight is the first time in a while you've had any minor thirst for God. No matter who you are, what you've done, here's what's crazy. His thirst for you will always be greater than your thirst for him. That's this mystery of grace. The message of Christianity is not make sure you pursue some better wells for yourself and have a good life. And then maybe God will forgive you. Now, the good news of Christianity is Jesus emptied himself so that you could be completely filled up and forgiven and satisfied and stop looking. Jesus knows everything about every single person on this field, but he's not going to reject us. He's not going to not meet us at the well. He's not going to give you what you think you want, which is stupid water. No, he's going to meet you and give you what you really, 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 really actually need, which is himself. He's that good. And so I want Salt Company, as we close, to, to be a well. I want my life to be a well. Right? I want this to be a place where any student at Indiana University can come and all they're going to get is the thing I've already been given. A taste of, of not who we are, but who he is. And so if there's anything you need to know about Salt Company, it's that we only sing songs to one person and we only serve one drink here. Then it's living water and so... Yeah, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ never gets old and never runs dry, and uh, I'd love for you to celebrate with us every single Thursday night. And we got one more opportunity tonight to just sing songs to him. And so band can come up. I'll pray, and uh, we'll eat. Jesus, we love you. I thank you for every single person that's here tonight, and I pray that uh, no matter how thirsty they are, you'd, you'd help them feel it more. No matter what their wells are, no matter how free or guilt-ridden they feel, God, would you just meet them like you did with the woman at the well, and God, would you just give us a drink of your goodness, your glory, uh, your mercy, and would it change everything about us? Would we live our lives now as a well where other people would come hear the message that actually matters and actually saves and actually can do something to change not only a life but a campus like this one, and, and yeah, would we just, would we just worship you? Uh, you're good. You've given us a drink that we don't deserve, and so uh, we just want to sing, sing songs to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.